All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The first selection of the National Hockey League Draft belongs to... The Daily Faceoff Podcast comes to you courtesy of the Nation Network. The first overall pick in the 2015 NHL Draft. Gretzky had it, lost it, Eisenman picks it up. Eisenman holding, blue line, jam, stop! And it's 9 o'clock on a Saturday night as you're lining up for a ginger ale. Way to go, gang. Into the zone, Sikora kicks it out, got it back, near side, Korea. Korea, the fans want one. Daily Face-Off. The Daily Face-Off. The Daily Face-Off podcast with your host, Brock Sagan. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 3, Episode 10 of the Daily Face-Off podcast. I'm your host, Brock Segan, and with me, as always, we've got Dylan D. Berthiam. How's it going, D? Hanging in there, Brock. Hanging in. <laughs> and Michael Beebs, Bondi. How's it going, Beebs? Also hanging in. Um, really excited that, that this week's coming to an end. Uh, going up to Toronto this weekend, so, so it's good. I'm, I'm, I'm doing really, really well. What are you heading out to Toronto for? Super ridiculous, but um, me and my brother bought my dad uh, Meatloaf Battle to Hell musical tickets. So uh, <laughs> we're going as a family because my dad's a huge Meatloaf fan. So I'm actually super excited because Meatloaf is awesome. <laughs> um, but like no one from our, our time growing up really knows who the hell they are but they're super sweet so there's a huge it's supposed to be a good show dude it's gotten some great reviews yeah apparently it's all over like tv everywhere my parents (laughs) just keep going nuts over it so i'm definitely down to go with them and to uh enjoy food on their credit cards and uh you know it's always the best in general have a good weekend um but yeah it should be fun 
Yeah, uh, I'm not even gonna lie. Like, I have no idea what Meatloaf is, so you know, maybe oh, I'm just man, an you idiot. Got some to do what? Better. You don't know who Meatloaf is? Never heard of it in my life. Oh man, it's a guy. Oh, it's a him. <laughs> he's yeah, he was the singer. It, yeah, his name is awesome. Meatloaf. Yeah, Meatloaf. That's his stage name. It's not his. It's not his name. Yeah, it's not his literal name. Imagine his name Probably. was just Meatloaf. You gotta, like obviously. You <laughs> Well, you know what? Maybe, it was like Mike Loaf. Maybe uh, this week, instead of the Blue Stones, I'm sure people will be pissed off about it. But we could throw some Meatloaf in our break song. I don't know if we'll get. Uh, I don't know if they'll hunt us down or not. But um, yeah, I think Meatloaf would be pissed about it more than anything. <laughs> really? All right, I I'll, just, I'll have to sure. look into Meatloaf a little bit. I've never heard, never heard of him. Dude, he's resorting to Broadway plays for finances right now. Like clearly, no, the guy's not, gonna he's not come after us or anything. I know he's not in the play. But yeah, just comes and okay. sues the Daily Face Off podcast for using this stuff. I'd be super pumped if he was in the play. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's Anyways, let's stop talking okay. about Meatloaf here. Let's get into some fantasy hockey. Uh, before we do, though, I just today I was just kind of, you know, scrolling through Twitter like I always do. And I stumbled upon uh, this Alexander Kerfoot story uh, coming out of Sweden. Obviously, uh, the Colorado Avalanche and Ottawa Senators are in Sweden right now for a little, I think it's called the Global Series. So they're playing a two-game back-to-back series in Sweden, which is pretty cool because they've got some of the biggest uh, Swedes on the roster, you know, Eric Carlson, Gabriel Landeskog. So that should be, you know, cool for the uh, country of Sweden. And it's also just unreal uh, (laughs) that Matt Duchesne, uh, just you know, his first two games of the Sens is just in Sweden against the Avalanche. So that's it's quite the storyline for sure. You think they're like going out for dinner and and uh, like Ottawa's just sitting at one table and Colorado at the other, and Duchesne's just sitting at the Ottawa table looking over at the boys. Like, no, he's just. I think sit- there's more than one restaurant in Sweden. Yeah, no, there's only one. They both go there. Duchesne's just sitting right in the middle talking to all the boys. Yeah, probably having the time of his life, but. Uh, but anyway, so Kerfoot was, he agreed to be basically a guest blogger for NHL.com uh, this week just to kind of talk about his experience uh, in Stockholm. And it just so happened that Wednesday was just a brutal day for Kerfoot. Uh, he, you know, signs up to be the guest blogger, then everything uh, just went awry for him. So I'll basically just kind of break it down. I'll summarize the story uh, real quick. But uh, so I guess Tuesday they had a practice and dinner, blah, 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 like they normally do. But then they, well, the Avalanche gave their players the day off on Wednesday to kind of, you know, spend time in Sweden or whatnot, right? Um, so I guess like he basically plugged his phone in and thought it was like charging overnight and woke up in the morning, just like it didn't charge. Um, so he was like, okay, I got to go figure out what's going on here. Uh, so he went to like, you know, found an Apple store somehow in, uh, in Sweden and tried to get it fixed or whatever. And then the guy's (laughs) like, blah, blah, blah. It's going to take some time. Uh, you know, come back in this amount of time to come pa- you know, get your new, your fixed phone or whatever. So he's like, okay, sweet, whatever. I'll get to go check out Sweden a little bit. Um, so he's just like walking down the streets of Sweden and he decides to go to this little coffee shop and he's all by himself. I don't know why he didn't go with like any teammates. Maybe he's a loser. I have no idea, but he goes to this little coffee Watch shop it. and I guess he like was having a hard time with like the language, the language barrier. So like, he was having a difficult time, like talking to the waitress and uh, he was, like, getting a little nervous because I guess he's got a severe nut allergy. <laughs> so, like, Jeez. apparently he, like, battled through the language bar- barrier and managed to, like, order just a, you know, a sandwich, whatever. Um, and then, like, he, I guess the waitress kind of assured him that there was not any, like, nuts in it. But he was, like, not totally confident she knew what the hell she was talking about. Jeez. So, 
I guess this guy bites into his sandwich and there was nuts in the pesto. <laughs> and he just like immediately felt an allergic reaction coming on. So like had to find somebody like in the restaurant that spoke English and then like had him like had to have that person like call a cab, had to get him rushed down to the hospital. And this whole time he had like no way of telling anybody where he was or if any of this was happening because he had no phone, like just couldn't talk to anybody. <laughs> But I guess, like, it Poor ended up... Not, yeah, it's just, like, such a young kid all by himself in Sweden. And, uh, yeah, so I guess he ended up being okay. It was, like, one of his not-so-serious allergic reactions. But he ended up going thing to thing is, too, like, he looks nothing like a hockey player. Like, he's, like, 5'6", 155 pounds. Like, no one would be, like... It's not like he's towering over people. No, (laughs) just like like a young kid, eh? But I guess, so the funny part was, though, that he just had no phone. He's like, because he said normally, like, (laughs) the first thing he would have did was, like, talk to, like, the uh, team's trainer, and he would have kind of been in charge of, like, the whole thing. But he couldn't couldn't get in contact with anybody. So then, uh, I guess after he got released from the hospital, he went to the Apple store to go see if his phone was fixed, and it still just wasn't working. The guy's just like, yeah, like, we can't fix this at all. So so Kerfoo was just like, you know what? He just just bought a brand new phone, went back to the hotel, and now he's got to play a game tomorrow. But I was reading that today. I'm like, what are the chances? Like, he's the guest blogger, and this just happens. They to still him. make him blog. Yeah. So he, he yeah. About it? yeah. So he so he wrote about it today. That was like his blog. Uh, but it was so jokes. I'm like, man, that would be just the worst situation. Cause like, I, I know, like I have a, nut, I have a nut allergy too. And like, like I have a hard enough time talking it's to waiters and waitresses in Canada about like, yo, can you make sure I don't die today when I eat this? And they're just like, yeah, whatever. And I still don't trust them. So Bro, what do you do at baseball games? I was thinking this the other day. Oh, people are just eating nuts left and right. It's brew- or bars where it's cool to throw peanuts on the ground. Still. <laughs> No, the the baseball games are brutal. Um, I just you got to be careful. But I remember one time like I went to a, I went to a Lions game as a kid, and it was like there was a bunch of Packers fans that were sitting like right beside me that were getting real rowdy. Um, and then there was just right. there was just these uh, Lions fans like above us like getting really rowdy back and then they just started like throwing peanuts at each other and they were all just like landing on me i'm like like throwing grenades oh my god dude like i remember just sitting there and they were just landing on my chest i'm like dude i'm gonna die at a lions game and like i'm not even i'm not even the guy that's getting crazy like i was only like you know 15 or 16 but it was super jokes but also terrifying so i think we ended up moving and going somewhere else like where i wasn't gonna die but yeah it's, it's you know, raining those, those sports yeah. those sports games are rough like the, the the wings games are a little bit better for me not as many the peanut consumption is slightly less uh but yeah, well, the i base- just like i've been at a baseball game where guys are just like they eat like a full you know five pound bag of nuts and it's just everywhere it's oh yeah like, like oh, yeah. they're everywhere like at one in like every five call that friday baseball. night yeah <laughs> but no i you know you just got to kind of play it safe and try to like switch seats with somebody that you're with if you know you're next to the nut guy but um (laughs) enough about peanuts and all that shit let's talk about some fantasy hockey uh we don't have a super long show ahead of us here today uh but we do have quite a bit of depth to this show i mean we should uh i think you guys will get a lot out of it uh but we're gonna start with just some goaltender talk d's favorite subject um i'm getting better yeah you're you're liking it a little more and more each time i think we talk about it but it's just crazy because i think a lot of these guys we're about to talk about i think almost every single one of them except for maybe one was in our consensus top 10 to start the season and not just our top 10 but pretty much everybody's top 10 like these were your solidified number one fantasy net miners at least that's what we thought coming into the year 
and <laughs> so far it just has not happened at all um and it's obviously troubling i mean when you draft that number one netminder you think you're good right like normally you're worried about your number two not coming through or whatever so uh Let's start, uh, D, I know you got quite a bit to talk about here with Matt Murray. Uh, he has had a real rough start to the season. Uh, the Penguins just, uh, not even a bad start to the year, just kind of getting unlucky, really. Uh, I mean, they're just not scoring as much as they're used to, uh, and it's been trouble for, troublesome for them so far. Um, the one thing I noticed looking at uh, their numbers is Murray's facing just about the same amount of high-danger scoring chances against so far this year as he did last year uh and his high danger scoring chance save percentage is down uh from 82.9 to 78.7 so he's not quite making as many of the big saves as he was and this is leading to a 290 goals against and a 906 save percentage through 13 starts uh what do you think's going on here with murray uh you know is it time for the Penguins fans to start maybe panicking like oh shit I guess we should have kept Flurry around because maybe Murray's not quite ready uh what's going on here uh, I don't know it's tough to say uh so obviously you know we're talking about a pretty small sample size um but that's what we had to go off of coming into the season with Murray um so you want you want to give the kid the benefit of the doubt I guess uh he's one of the few guys on this list who does still have age on his side uh, the other guys are kind of running out of time to figure it out, I guess. But to me, it's more about the team in general. The Penguins uh, have struggled at even strength this season, at least relative to their standards. Uh, and they've had some issues defensively. They've always been kind of an up or down team. Uh, second in the league in shots for, and I think they've given up the fifth most uh, shots against this season, uh, as well as the fourth most high danger shot attempts as well. So, you know, could certainly be part of what's driving Murray's uh, lower than normal save percentage. Um, but, you know, I like Murray coming into this season. I still like him right now. I think he'll be better. But the bigger issue in Pittsburgh is, as you said, Brock, they've had trouble putting the puck in the net. Just 21 goals scored at 5v5 this year. That's tied for dead last in the league. Um, so to me, it's a wonder they've even able to stay above 500 with even strength production like that. I guess it just goes to talk about or it goes uh, towards the skill, I guess, that the Penguins have on that team and the damage they can do on the power play. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Penguins should be better and this is probably just uh, a one-off or a bad stretch for them. And as a result, I think you'll see, uh, Murray's numbers kind of, uh, start getting a little bit better at least, uh, as well. Yeah. I mean, he had, yeah, he had a even strength save percentage of 933 through his first couple of years there. And then that's mm-hmm. dropped down to 900. So you have to figure that that'll balance itself out a little bit, but Biebs, what do you think here? Uh, Matt Murray. Yeah, one thing about Murray that, I mean, not even the other guys this doesn't necessarily um, apply to them, but for Murray, it's it's they're going to give him every single chance to succeed this mm-hmm. year. There's no one really anywhere close to taking his spot. Right now they got Tristan, Tristan Jari as their backup, who I don't even know if he has any career minutes in his life. So, um, <laughs> so either way, Murray's going to continue to be in there. And uh, as he mentioned, that we did have a small sample size before the season, so it is kind of terrifying that maybe he is only a 9-10 save percentage goalie but um i do expect him to kind of improve as well as like we said with that whole team so with murray um i'm not as confident as i am some of these other goalies that he's going to pull it together but i i definitely don't hate him going forward and like i said he's going to play a lot which means he's going to get more wins than you know losses so he, he should be still a relatively solid fantasy goalie 
Yeah, and, and the one thing, too, before we move on to the next guy, is he's been really, really, really good, actually, when the Penguins have been mm. shorthanded so far. Um, so he just, just needs to kind yeah. of figure it out uh, at even strength, which is, you know, it should be some of the easier time on ice for him. Uh, but like, mm-hmm. you said, like you said, the um, they just need to start limiting those dangerous, high-dangerous scoring chances against because they are... Um, I mean, even last year, they, they kind of were up in, towards the top of the league in that category, too. So I think that's something mm-hmm. that he's just going to have to get used to uh, because they are such a high-event hockey team. Um, For sure. But then now we switch our switch gears here to Cam Talbot. Uh, like many of the Oilers, off to a bit of a sluggish start. Um, Cam Talbot, I mean, this is a guy led the league in uh, wins last year with 42. Uh, he's still, until further notice, going to be a workhorse in Edmonton. I mean, I don't think yeah. Laurent Brassois or whatever his name is are gonna is gonna challenge him too much. Uh, he this is a guy that could still lead the league in starts again this year. Uh, but five seven and one with a two ninety nine goals against and a nine oh nine save percentage. Uh, we have a little bit larger sample size here with Talbot than we do with Murray. Uh, what do you think here, B or D? Sorry, uh, is it just a case of a sluggish start for the whole team, or or should we be concerned here about Talbot? Well, I think T- Talbot obviously hasn't played as good as most would have hoped. But to me, when I look at Talbot, I see more of a, a guy that himself is maybe slightly above league average. And most of his fantasy value derived from being the clear-cut number one on a team that should be scoring a lot of goals. That's kind of the formula that got Talbot his 42 wins last year. For sure. Uh, led the league, as you said. Uh, and the Oilers obviously have not been scoring a lot of goals this year. They sit just behind the Penguins with only 22 even-strength goals themselves. Um, so I think if Talbot is going to get back to elite fantasy status, it's going to take more than just an improvement in his own play, but uh, some secondary scoring from the Oilers as well, because we're seeing that McDavid and the dry settle uh, line just isn't enough on its own. Yeah, this is a guy too. When you look at it, um, let's see, 142 career games played with a 250 goals against average and a 917 save percentage for his career, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. You'd think, looking at the Oilers lineup, that that's really all he would need to do. He doesn't need to be this 239-919 that he was last year. That you know, I think he finished uh, fourth in the Vesna voting um, with that season. He just kind of needs to be that guy who posted 250 goals against, and that should get them a, get them a win on most nights because they should be a team exactly. that's scoring three. So I, I agree with you. It is a bit of a combination of the two. Beebs, do you think that this Oilers team is a team that can definitely turn it around here? We've seen them kind of start to turn a corner. Uh, these last couple games. Absolutely. Um, I do expect them to uh, to change it up. I mean, obviously, we're only 13 games in, and this is a team at the beginning of the year that a lot of people, myself included, had pegged as a Stanley Cup contender. Um, for Talbot, I kind of see him, you know, what, what scares me is 73 games last year. It's just so many games. And to expect just that out of him again is just, I think that's asking a lot. And I don't want to say it, but that's almost asking for an injury. Um, that's 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 a lot of that's a lot of work. Um, there's a reason that most goalies only play closer to 60, 65 games. Um, but at the same time, like you guys said, if he can play through them all, he's going to get the wins. I see him more as like a nine fifteen save percentage goalie, which is um, now nowadays still a great number one with the with the wins he's going to get for you and the amount of consistent starts. Um, but other than that, I'm just I'm really worried just about how much how much playing time he's getting. Yeah, I think that's the one thing um, that was going to be a little bit different for Talbot this year was last year the Oilers were pushing for a playoff spot. They weren't like this guaranteed, seemingly guaranteed yeah. to make a playoff. So like they kind of just had to ride him because they didn't have any other choice. So I would assume that they would have probably liked to get him a little more 
rest this year, maybe 65 starts and kind of ease on them. But now, if you know, the, the early season struggles, they got themselves a hole to dig out of, and mm-hmm. they might have to go back to them. I mean, then you also look, they made a pretty decent playoff run, too. Started 13 playoff games. So this is a guy who came off 86 starts last year. Like, that's just insane. That's a lot of games. It's heavy minutes. Yes. It's heavy minutes. Yes. No, definitely. Definitely. Uh, but let's talk about uh, one guy who's just been completely stunning to this point, and that's Carey Price. Uh, this is a guy who's basically uh, was looked at as the best goalie in the entire world, and it's just been an absolute disaster for him early on. A 377 goals against, an 877 save percentage. Uh, nowhere near his career numbers. Um, and then you look at that, and he goes down with this injury. Charlie Lindgren comes up and plays great, and it's like, well, why wasn't Carey doing this? And then, you know, but then that maybe that leads to questions of maybe there was a lingering injury issue going on here, and that could be the reason uh, for his poor play to this point. Uh, The one thing that really stands out to me is he's just not making these big saves that he's always been relied on to make. and we let's go back to high danger scoring chances here. Last year he faced seven point eight seven per game. That year the Canadians have been able to drop that down to five point seven two. So he's seeing over two less high danger scoring chances per game, but his high danger scoring save percentage has dropped from eighty seven point seven to seventy two point seven. So a fifteen point drop there, which is just insane. And then again we go back to his high or sorry his even strength save percentage. Dropped from a career 929 to 877 this year. I mean, it's just unexplainable almost at this point yeah. what's happening. Uh, he just, I mean, and even you can dive into the numbers as much as you want, but even from the eye test, when you watch the Habs play, he just doesn't look like the same goalie. Like, is it, we've talked about him a little bit before, but D, is it time to panic if you're a Carey Price owner? Because I know I've been, I've seen him getting traded left and right in all of our leagues. Hey. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know, man. I think it's, it's definitely a fine time to take a risk on him. It's it's always tougher to I think to go from the seller seller standpoint than the buyer standpoint. For sure, because um, you know you have all these personal investments, or just if you spend a pick high on a guy, you're, you're generally way more uh, attached to him than you normally should be. But you know that's the personal side of it. Uh, but who knows, man? It's that dreaded age thirty season for Bryce. Uh, I talked about it at the start of this year. I might start to see him kind of fall out of his prime um but obviously no one could have predicted or expected this uh such a sharp drop off you kind of would expect it to correct itself to some degree and it's still early you know i would expect him to be better um but i wouldn't say it's you know a certainty that he's going to get back to where he was um so we'll we'll see man it's really hard to tell at this point like you said brock the further you look into it the the worse it looks for price right now for me personally um Price hasn't had a season below 920 um, since 2012, 2013. Obviously, there's one full injury season in between there. But um, still, I, I do expect him to pull his numbers up. I don't know if he can make it back to that 920 just because he has kind of shot himself in the foot here 10 games in. Um, but what it looks like, it, it did just look like he was unhealthy. And maybe these games off and uh, and, and uh, Phil and goalie uh, Lindgren there, um, maybe giving him that time off to just kind of rest up and not, you know, have all this pressure that this could be what he needs. I do expect him to bounce back. I was one of the people who traded for price in our daily faceoff league, actually. So, uh, so I kind of have to hope, but, um, but along with Montreal, I expect price to kind of bring it back up. Maybe I don't think he's a a number one. He's the number one goalie anymore. I, I mean, obviously I don't think any of us do, but, um, 
but I do think uh, he does. He's just had the. He's done it so well for so long that I expect him to definitely improve and uh, and bring it back up sooner rather than hopefully later. Yeah, I don't necessarily think it's a bad idea to buy price low, uh, especially because I think you can get him for so much lower than you could have Absolutely. ever got him before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we yeah. we did kind of see that with your trade there, Beebs, in the DFO podcast league. Uh, the one thing too is that the Habs have really kind of turned a corner now. They're starting to score. Uh, and then even the numbers I mentioned about how low their high danger scoring chances against is right now when price is in the net. Uh, that is something that bodes well going forward if he can start making those big saves again. Uh, but obviously it remains to be seen if that's going to happen. But I, I have more faith that ha- that price will bounce back than uh, I don't because, I mean, it is Carey Price after all. I don't think that all of a sudden he's going to fall off the face of the earth. Uh, but two more guys, uh, veteran guys, to talk about quickly here. And the next is Devin Dubnik, uh, who's really struggled again. All of these goalies have. But he's got a 304 goals against and a 903 save percentage coming into tonight. Uh, he's starting on back-to-back nights. Uh, the one thing worth noting about Dubnik in Minnesota is their D core is a little less talented than it has been in years past, and then that has resulted again going back to high danger scoring chances against. Uh, he's facing 1.5 more per game this year, and he's got the exact same high danger scoring chance save percentage as he did last year, but he's just seen an extra one every game, and it's seemingly going into the net. Um, so this might be more of a case of... You know, the team around him, they were extremely banged up to start the year. Uh, Their D is, you know, a little bit less talented, like I said, than it was before. But, I mean, they're still missing some key pieces out there. So, is this just a product of the team around him? Or is Dubnik's game falling off finally as he, you know, he gets up there in age, D? Uh you know, it's interesting because we've seen Dubnik go through these cold stretches before, probably most notably uh, when he was in Edmonton. Uh, but one thing I did notice when I was looking at is his even strength save percentage down to 911 so far this season. It's been up around 930 for the last three years. Um, so it does show how much he struggled. And again, you would kind of expect that to correct itself a little bit as the season plays out. Um, I, I do think he's got a solid team in front of him. They've obviously had some trouble staying healthy. Uh, and you want to chuck it up as just another cold stretch, I guess. Uh, he has shown some signs of point out of it. He's had some really strong games of late. It's just a matter of uh, being more consistent night in, night out for him. Uh, like you said, with his track record, you want to give him the benefit of the doubt. But again, it's another guy we're talking about here on the wrong side of 30. Um, so it's hard to stay invested in these guys when you know they're at the point in their career where they're not going to be getting better on a year-to-year basis. Yeah, he's made uh, 22 yeah, saves early on tonight, so he's looking like he's having another decent night tonight, but he's looking to break away from a three-game losing streak, and he didn't look real good in last night's loss in Toronto, but Beebs, what do you think here? Oh, how could he? <laughs> well, first off, I just want to mention how crazy it is that they traded Arizona like a seventh-round pick or whatever the hell it was. Maybe even, I don't know, it might have even been like a sixth or something for, well, like, way back in the day when he was literally worth nothing in 2014. Just a bag um, of and and they've just rode him as a as a goalie that can play back to backs for the last three years, but um, D said it. He's he's a guy who's getting older. Um, he, the the team around him that that um, the, the amount of scoring chances is just terrifying. They lost Scandell in the off season. Um, it's just I I think he can def. He's obviously going to improve. I'm going to say this probably with everyone here, just because they've all had such good track records. But um, I don't think he's that top five goalie that he's that he was the past couple of years and. Um, and, and, and he's another case of just he's going to get worked a lot, and uh, and I hope he, his body as it gets older can just kind of take it. And um, I don't know, I just don't see the Wild as as the 
necessary necessarily like for sure playoff team that they seem to be last year once they get healthy obviously he's going to improve a little bit but um for me i'm just i'm not really buying into dubnik this year yeah i you know dubnik's one of my favorite goalies coming into this year i really liked the wild i just think that for me they are just so banged up that there is a lot of hope going forward i think once they get healthy this team should be fine but you're right going from uh marco scandela to kyle quincy is never uh a great option <laughs> uh, not <laughs> rock's favorite oh god he's awful um but let's talk about one final guy, and he was last year's feel-good story of the year, Craig Anderson, but he's been off to a sluggish start uh, this year, to say the least. Uh, Anderson, again, let's go back to high-danger scoring chances against because that seems to be um, kind of a, a bit of something that stands out for all of these goalies so far this year. Uh, right now, he is facing less high-danger scoring chances than he was last year, but his high-danger scoring chance save percentage has dropped from 84.6 to 67 point four uh so like he's you know price is kind of in the similar boat here neither one of these guys are coming anywhere close to making the big saves they were last year and it's really uh reflected on their numbers uh so d what do you think anderson's chances i mean this is a guy you keep saying on the wrong side of 30 on the wrong side of 30 he's really on the wrong side of 30 uh do you have a little bit less faith here in anderson bouncing back uh than the rest of these guys yeah, and I think for a couple of reasons. He was obviously great in a limited time last year. Um, and you hate to keep bringing it back to age, but you have to talk about it when it comes to goaltenders. 36 years old, yeah. how much faith can you really have uh, in this guy bouncing back? And not only bouncing back, but kind of getting back into that form for a full season. Um, and on top of that, I think he's the one guy on this list that uh, has some formidable competition uh, in the form of a backup in Mike Condon. Um, you know, maybe not... Uh, the, obviously not the best goal in the league and maybe not a starter by any means, but it's certainly certainly shown to be capable in stretches before. Um, so I think that actually poses a legitimate threat to uh, Anderson's playing time, especially at 36 years old, uh, whereas the rest of the guys on this list uh, basically have all the time in the world to figure it out. Yeah, for me, that's the exact same thing. It's 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 the age. And, la- and we hate to go back to the last year as he was you know, going in and out of the lineup. He was getting a lot of rest and that rest did it seemed like help him throughout the year and this year i don't think he's planning on um on missing much time especially um not playing on injury or anything like that but like you said condon's standing right there and um and for me i i just i don't think anderson can be expected to do what he did last year um i see him more in the 9 10 save percentage range ottawa is going to start improving i think overall as a team but um, but for me, I just I'm I'm not huge on Anderson this year, especially with uh, Condon there. And I do think Condon's a a guy who can take split starts with him as the year goes on. Yeah, I think it's probably a thing that they're something they're gonna try to do there in Ottawa. I think they kind of saw last year how well it kind of. I think they both started exactly 40 games, um, and then obviously trading away Andrew Hammond is not the, not a huge key, but I think it is a little bit of a sign of confidence in Condon going forward. And I think that they'll both try to kind of, they'll try to split these guys to at least keep uh, Anderson fresh uh, because he did look really mm-hmm. good in the playoffs too last year. So I think that there's, I think he's still their number one, but they are going to kind of try to keep him fresh. Uh, but before we go to break, and of course the Blue Stones, uh, or maybe Meatloaf, haven't decided yet, uh, I just want <laughs> I just want to break down who we think, who we have the most confidence in bouncing back. Uh, so I'll go first here. I've ranked these goalies one through five in the guys that I have the most faith in returning to form, I guess, or at least finishing the year, uh, you know, 
kind of more towards how we expected them to uh, coming into the year. So for me, number one, uh, Carey Price still. I think the Habs are still a fairly strong team, albeit they had an extremely slow start. I still think that, especially with Carey Price playing well, they're a playoff team. Uh, I just, I can't, I'm not ready to give up on Carey, not at 30. Uh, Matt Murray, number two for me. I just think the Penguins are so darn good. Uh, he's going to have so many opportunities for wins. They're, the puck is just going to start going to the net eventually. Even if he, uh, like him and Cam Talbot are in pretty much the same boat, but I have way more faith in the Penguins starting to find their scoring touch than the Oilers. Uh, for me, Devin Dubnik, number three, just over Cam Talbot. I just think that Dubnik's the better goalie. Uh, I think that Talbot could obviously win more games, but they're both workhorses. I think that T- Dumnick's just a slightly better goalie. And at this point, I'm not really convinced that the Oilers are uh, the Stanley Cup team that we thought they were. I mean, we've, they just don't have enough scoring on the wings, and it's so funny to say we're not going to go back into that. Uh, we talked yeah. about it a bit last week. But Cam Talbot, number four, then Craig Anderson, five. D, what do you think one through five in confidence for these guys? Any Any difference from what I had? Well, pretty similar to what I would say, but I guess just to be different, uh, you can make an argument for Murray over Price. Um, obviously, there's less less room or work to get back to where he was. Um, struggles haven't been as bad as Price's, relatively so. And obviously, I just like the situation in Pittsburgh more so than in Montreal. Um, so I guess I'd go Murray, Price, and then Dubnik, Talbot, Anderson after that. Yeah, mine's relatively similar um, I, to yours, Brock. I had Price number one, um, I had Murray two, Talbot three, Dubnik four, and then Anderson, the obvious five. Um, yeah, not much more I want to add to that. All right, perfect. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> I think we all kind of expect most of these guys to bounce back to some degree. But uh, let's get to the Blue Stones. We'll see you guys back here in 67s for so many waiver pickups. The most waiver so pickups. Many. Like, oh, the most. Welcome back to Season 3, Episode 10 of the Daily Faceoff Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dylan Berthium. As always, we hope you enjoyed those sweet riffs from the Blue Stones. Check them out on Spotify. Check them out on YouTube. Apparently, uh, they're not right on now, Spotify anymore. Yeah, they're taking their stuff down. Somebody tweeted at us right. after last week's episode and said, we are their only way to get the sweet fix of the Blue Stones anymore because they're not on Spotify. I know they got a <laughs> recording deal recently, so... That might have something to do with it. Maybe they're just, you know, they're right. That probably has everything to do with so it. So maybe they're yeah, off. No. They're off a lot. They're recording something new, though. That's what that's good for us. That means we're gonna have some more sweet. Are they on Apple Music? Do we know that? I'm not sure. I do not have it. Oh, I do, but haven't confirmed it. (laughs) 
I'll get I'll get you that answer before the end of the show. All right. Uh, but good. we're we're moving into some waiver wire pickups right now. Uh, I think we each got about two to three guys to talk about uh, targets for you guys to go after. Uh, but we're doing it a little bit different this week. So Brock, why don't you explain to the people what we're doing? All right. So we basically have uh, like I, I think we have a total of nine players, but they all kind of fall under different tiers. Uh, I know you guys, so D and Beebs each have a guy that's kind of just a must own right now, just under 50% own, but it's a guy that needs to absolutely be picked up. Uh, and it's also a guy that's worth targeting in trades because if they're only 50% on, they might not be getting the respect they deserve from everybody, even if they have been mm-hmm. picked up off the wire. Uh, so they might be somebody to kind of target still before we, because these are guys that we obviously think are going to explode uh, or, you know, the explosion is just around the corner. Uh, and then we also just have some guys to target in a little bit deeper leagues, uh, guys right around the 40 to 30% owned uh, mark. The guys will be available in most leagues. And then uh, some guys under 25% owned. And then I've got a couple guys that are under 10% owned, digging really deep uh, for the guys in deeper leagues. So, uh, Biebs, why don't we start with you? I know you got a guy that you just think is an absolute must-own. Uh, and if you guys uh, want to read a little bit more about some waiver wire pickups that Biebs has to talk about, head over to dailyfaceoff.com because he released an article on Tuesday uh, with about four or five waiver wire pickups. So, uh Beebs, why don't you give uh, the people one of your pickups here? Yeah, I'm actually going to kind of expose half my article with some of my pickups here, but these guys were just too obvious not to talk about. Um, also, Blue Stones has taken their music off of Apple Music, so um, something big's Damn. coming. But, um, Super Bowl. But for, yeah, Headliners. That's, Justin Timberlake is just a facade. With the Blue Stones featuring. It's <laughs> yeah. going to happen. It's going to pull out someone's boob on the blue stone i was gonna say blue stones definitely got the star nipple pasties on yeah, for that, sure that's their, that's their role this year. <laughs> star nipple pasties but um but yeah this year more than ever um as far as free agents go it's kind of blowing my mind with own percentages how low some guys are and it's just it's crazy but um one one that i wanted to mention and i, I couldn't stay away from it was bo horvat on vancouver we've talked about him and brock besser um almost weekly it seems like they come up but this is for good reason Horvat's only 37% owned, and um, he is kind of the forward to own in Vancouver right now. But kind of, I mean, he's the forward to own in Vancouver yeah. right now. Uh, with six goals, seven assists through his first uh, 15 games, he's just below a point per game pace. And there's a reason that the Canucks traded away Corey Schneider to go move up in this draft. Well, not move up, but really just take this pick to grab Bo Horvat. Um, his shooting percentage is currently at 15.4, so we can definitely expect that to go down. But he's been playing great on both ends. Um, that line of him, Barchi, and Besser, they're kind of finally letting it go free, it seems like. They're letting the kids run away with everything, and that's what we really needed to see Bo, uh, Bo Horvat step out and break out. And it seems like people aren't really catching on to that yet, or maybe they're just staying away from Vancouver. But um, but for now, he, like I mentioned, he is the number one offensive option there. And whenever anyone's number one offensive option on any team, um, you kind of want to own them, especially if uh, 63% of leagues don't have this guy on a roster. Yeah, we do talk about these guys quite a bit, um, but this is a guy who is a legitimate threat for seventy points this year. So for his, oh, yeah. for his um, own percentage to be hovering still like under fifty percent is is baffling. I mean, he's been off to a, such a good start. I don't understand. I mean, I guess you can say that people just kind of do stay away from bad teams, but I mean, Vancouver has been surprisingly good so far. Uh, and Horvat's just you know he's great. He had a great year last year. I picked him up in a lot of my leagues this year. I love him, so I love this pickup. If he's available in your league, Hondo P, get him. Uh, but D, who's in must-own for you? Uh, in the same breath, I'm actually going to talk about Brock Besser. Oh, um, shit. Yeah, but Great again, game. I think it just kind of shows how the Canucks have kind of been disrespected in the fantasy hockey world. 
Um, but probably for good reason. We've seen that coaching staff, you know, kind of make some questionable decisions in developing their younger players the last couple of seasons. Uh, but not the case anymore. It seems like they're finally uh, willing to give these guys more of an extended look, as Beeb said. Uh, and not just at even strength, but on the power play as well. Um, so Besser, you know, 49% owned right now. So not a waiver target per se, but for sure a guy that should have definitely already moved into must-own territory. 14 points in 12 games for the 20-year-old so far this season. Um, so his shooting percentages are both obviously a little high right now, and he's bound to come back to earth to some degree, but he still has had solid possession numbers. Uh, and shooting the puck nearly three times a game, which is crazy impressive for a 20-year-old rookie. You just don't see that kind of shot productions um, from 20-year-olds very often. Uh, and on top of that, you know, he's shown to have some uh, above-average offensive skill as well. Um, so I think Besser and along with Horvat, their ice time should really only go up as the season goes on, uh, which should make for some pretty steady production from the both of them. Yeah, I think he'll definitely, like you said, he's playing just under 16 minutes tonight right now. Um, it's something that's definitely bound to go up. But now, again, you kind of just look back to last year, too. It's a kid that's got 19 points in his first 21 career games. Uh, absolutely mm-hmm. uh, nothing to scoff at there whatsoever. But like you said, basically, um, I think that they have made some questionable decisions in Vancouver before. Uh, but I think they finally realize that like the Sedins are basically just carcasses at this point, and they don't really have any other choice but to go to the kids that can actually just still <laughs> that can actually still play. Uh, but yeah, Besser uh, in his young career so far, uh, scoring at a 35 goal uh, pace, which is ridiculously impressive, and not a kid that should be owned. Uh, you know, what did you say? 53 percent, 49 right 49, now. 49, which that's just insanity. Um, but yeah, so let's move into a little bit. Those are your guys only must owns, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Let's move into a little bit more, uh, deeper waiver wire guys. I guess I'll start. I think he'll probably be a little bit lesser owned than your guys. Uh, and this might surprise some people, but I took a look at Derek Stepon. Uh, it, the only issue I have with Stepon is that he's only a center, um, which I don't love to target usually, but I just think that Stepon is in a decent situation, which might sound crazy because he plays in Arizona, but if you look at Natural Statrix, new, amazing Wowie tool, by the way. you got to check it out. It's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> site's great. You'll see that when separated, Stepan, Domi, and Clayton Keller have all struggled mightily apart from each other. But when they're together, they have an impressive 54.6 Corsi 4, and they've outchanced the op- their opposition 87 to 76 at even strength. Uh, pretty impressive margin there, I'd say. Uh, but I think the struggles away from each other speaks more to the lack of talent around them in Arizona, not so much a knock on them individually. Uh, at least for Stepan, uh, he has an impressive relative Corsi of 6.2, which is really nice. Uh, I think it's a little bit easier to pull something like that off when you play in Arizona. But nonetheless, uh, he's been held scoreless in eight straight games, which has seen his own percentage basically plummet. Uh, it's at 31% right now. Uh, so he's become widely available. He has just seven points in his first 17 games in Arizona, but those are 17 horrible games in Arizona. I mean, <laughs> they can't be any worse than they have been. There are certainly better days ahead in Arizona. They had some injuries, especially with Antti Ranty going down, that have really limited them uh, to the in the win category at least. Uh, this is a guy who is a consistent mid-teens goal scorer, and he approached 40 assists every year. I mean, you know, 35-plus every year. And like I said, the Coyotes can't be as bad as they have been so far. And as long as Stepan is playing uh, with the red-hot rookie and the talented Max Domi, 
this line is going to continue to rack up points, and Stepan should, you know, I mean, like, we see Keller score almost every night. Uh, Keller's picking up points yeah. left and right. Uh, but the best news here for Stepan is that he's on pace for a career-high 236 shots. Like we say, somebody's got to score on a shitty team, right? So he's not he's not being shy about shooting the puck uh, like he normally had been in the in years past. Um, so I think if he continues at the shooting volume pace, uh, he is a guy that could actually push for, for 20 goals, uh, maybe push towards the mid-20 once he sees his personal 4.1 shooting percentage rise. Um Obviously, his on-ice shooting percentage is extremely low as well. So, this is a guy that, you know, the puck's just not bouncing his way right now. It's been a rough start in Arizona, but I think that Stepan, his track record uh, warrants being picked up and owned uh, as a bottom-of-the-roster center guy because I think there's certainly better days ahead here. I just, I I can't see them to continue to struggle at this clip. I think a lot of people are afraid of Arizona guys right now, and that's just what's keeping them away they've been so bad yeah they've done so bad which like you said they can really only do better but d i'll let you um, elaborate on that a bit more yeah no i was just gonna say like as bad or if not worse than what everyone thought vegas was gonna be so it's kind of funny how that works but um as bad as they've been that line's been sick though like, yeah, they, and he's always been a good uh play, good producer on the power play. The other um, words in six. So, and like you said, Clayton Keller is still really good. And if you're playing with that one guy, like for sure. And that, that like was my that was my one other point I wanted to add. If you if you're somebody who already owns Clayton Keller, I think that it makes it even more appealing to add Stepan. Um, I think you might get burned a little bit in the plus minus category on occasion. You could have a combined a minus eight night one day, but. Uh, I mean, step on through all through everything that's gone on so far. uh, Just you know, he's been even over his last, I think, six games. So maybe a sign of things to come in Arizona. (laughs) I mean, I don't like looking at plus minus very often, but I mean, if you have to take a positive out of a plus minus, I think that might be it. But D, uh, who are you looking at in a little bit deeper leagues? Uh, So thirty-six percent owed Jonathan Marchessault right now. Um, And you know, it's funny we were definitely on the Marchessault train. Early last year, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, he started out on the top line in Florida when they were going through those injuries. Um, but we were definitely also among those expressing uh, some caution heading into this season. He shot 15.5% last year. Uh, and it really wasn't clear just how the lines were going to shake out in Vegas. But Marceau has really emerged as one of, if not the top offensive threat in Vegas. He's got 10 points in 12 games. Um, consistently seen first-line minutes now. He's averaging 17.5 minutes a night. Uh, his possession rates are up north of 53%, 5.5 relative Corsi. Uh, so he's played great, and that's all translated into a lot more shots on net, like a lot more. He's got 42 shots in 12 games so far this year. Um, so obviously it's still early, like we say, but uh, that's a 272-shot pace if he can keep it up. Uh, just a huge improvement over the 193 from a year ago. So from how I see it, uh, March so should be a steady source of production all season long, and if he does keep up his shot rate, he'll have a real chance to get back to 30 goals again. Um, which is just not the kind of upside you normally see on the wire. So if he's still there, uh, get on him fast. But it definitely has been rising in the last few days. <laughs> that was one of my favorite bits ever. I mean, a lot up. His shots are, are up, up. They're so up. That's incredible, incredible though. Like, like crazy, yeah. dude. Like up with the mo- Like that's near the top of the league, 272, man. And we always say, uh, you know, we did for sure express caution about Marcia So, but the one thing we always say that can <laughs> offset a decreasing shot percentage is increasing shot volume. So uh, if there's any way to offset what he's done 
you know, last year, that's definitely it. And you know what? I mean, there's, there's not much more we can say about what Vegas has done so far. They have uh, been above and beyond what every single pundit has expected. Uh, yeah. It's been impressive. And, I mean, I, I expect uh, the floor to maybe drop out a little bit eventually. But as long as Marcia So is shooting the puck as much as he is – there's no way he's going to just stop scoring or putting up points. So I like it a lot. I, and I'm surprised, honestly, uh, that his own percentage has stayed so low because he's just picking up points after points ever since he came back. Uh, yeah. I, think he's I like mean, people have been sleeping on March so for years, right? This guy yeah, was on the, the waiver wire in the show like two years ago. Anyone could have had him. So it's yeah, crazy. For sure. Uh, Beebs, what about you, bud? Uh, well, D mentioned that one thing that March so offers is a 30-goal potential. And someone that I'm going to throw out here um, who's 1% less owned than March so um, is Miko Rantanen on Colorado. Um, obviously, I watch a lot of Colorado games. But um, one thing that I have that does stand out is their top line, which includes Miko Rantanen and Nathan McKinnon. Um, it, 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 it's their powerhouse line. Rantanen really since stepping into that role last year when, when they started to put him with McKinnon has um, has succeeded he kind of had a quiet rookie year because the team did so bad around him still put up 20 goals a season ago um, and that was with only 133 shots on net uh, so this year he's on pace for nearly 200 shots he already has five goals seven assists so he's just uh, in 14 games so he's just a point below a point per game right now and really what what kind of I love about Rantanen is there's no one around him who's in any way going to threaten to take his job. <laughs> uh, he is the number one um, winger on left wing on the power play, as well as their top line. He is probably their best scoring option, even though they do um, struggle quite a bit. It just seems like this year, him and McKinnon are kind of taking a step forward. He's only 21 um, and, and really where he succeeds. And, uh, and, and we talk about how, how, how um, great this is for fantasy players is on the power play. He has four power play goals so far this year. Um, and eight power play points, and that's after putting up ten power play points on a thirty-eight point year last year. He's playing so, um, over I've, four minutes a night on the power play too. Yeah, he, leads, he's a freak right now. And for someone who's only thirty-five percent owned, if you, if you can add him on your roster with right wing and left wing eligibility, he's super useful. He gets a lot of shots, as I mentioned, and he is going to score a lot of goals. I realistically um, believe that he um, could go for thirty, thirty-five this year. Uh, the assists aren't quite there yet. He's not. He's much more a pure goal scorer than he is um you know a playmaker but overall he's a, he's just starting to come into his own as a uh, as a 6-4 um forward out there in Colorado and and I just really like him I think he's not getting the respect he deserves as far as fantasy owners go and uh and that, that's soon to change so somebody you can add and hopefully set in your lineup for the rest of the year yeah no I I've always been a big fan of Ranton and I, I like him a lot going forward especially guys in keeper dynasty leagues I definitely oh, yeah. uh definitely worth the ad it's just the uh the one thing that i love when you look at his numbers right now i mean it's still very early but he's projected or it's not projected like on pace for 29 goals 41 assists so 70 points but a minus 35 <laughs> yeah he's not the best on the back end but, but they're but they're eight and six they're eight and six and he's still on pace for minus 35 jokes so funny plus minus is stupid as shit um yep. Do you guys have anybody above the 10% mark to talk about? Because if you do, might as well talk about them, and then I'll talk about my two deep, uh, deep league guys. So, D, what about you? Uh, yeah, the last guy I want to talk about, uh, 17% owed Yanni Gord. Um, you know, certainly not the most upside in the world, not as you, much as the guys we were just talking about. You just love those about. queer AHLers, eh? Yeah, dude. Um, 
But it's it's obviously it's just more or less the role that Gord has carved himself out right now uh, in the Tampa Bay lineup. Uh, and I think if you're in a deeper league and you need some depth up front, that's exactly what Gord can provide. He's got right wing and center eligibility in Yahoo leagues. Um, and he has definitely overperformed to this point to some degree. Um, he's on a shooting percentage sitting at 14% right now. Uh, but the, like I said, the Lightning's top six is just so good right now um, that as long as he's in it, uh, he's seen some power play time as well. He should continue to produce at a fair rate. Um, he's seen 17 minutes a night right now. Uh, so that gives him some reliable fantasy value moving forward as the season goes on. Um, so I just think the spot he's in alone, along with the dual eligibility, is enough to make him rosterable in deeper leagues, say 14-16 on. Yeah, the, yeah uh, the sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, uh, Beebs, oh, but I just I think this might be the first time in DFO podcast history that D has ever uh, recommended picking up a player with a negative Corsi. Uh, that's it's shocking. Uh, that's uh, the that's one, their mo though. Yeah, no, that's the one thing that uh, I think everybody's kind of just still talking about with that that Tampa Bay two line is they just somehow continue to keep outperforming their their metrics and uh, they're just finding ways to score every single time they touch the ice and I totally agree. I just love uh, when I was reading Biebs's article the other day. Uh, he has where is this number that he had two hundred and ninety eight career AHL games under his belt. <laughs> Uh, that's just insanity. And like you said, as long as the Lightning keeps scoring. That's earning your spot, bud. No, You're only 25 yeah. years old. That's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, I think he had like, he has like, uh, I don't know how many, but he's got like a decent number of like ECHL games under his belt too, which is hilarious. Just working yeah, your way up, I, I man. just, I love anyone who's in a top <laughs> six where the team's averaging, you know, 3.9 goals per game. Which oh, for sure. League high and crazy. Exactly. Um, so. As long as he's seeing 17 minutes a night, um, he's going to score some points. So Yeah, even, yeah. If, even and, if they're giving up shots against him, he's still going the other way and probably scoring a goal every single time. Yeah, exactly. And when we uh, when we talk about these really deep guys, these you know, 15, 13% guys, like Dee said, um, you're, we're talking really deep leagues. So if you're talking a top six guy on a top two offense, um, I like those numbers. Exactly. Um, as far as my guy, though, uh, 15% owned josh anderson in kind of the same situation as gordy um or gordy! I, we'll call him gordy <laughs> but i'm kind of, I, same situation where he's just in a nice top six um and it's kind of uh solidified a role there so for josh anderson he's currently i'd say the sixth forward in the top six in columbus um he's playing kind of what looks like almost a, a lucci troll from years past he's uh he's out there he he's clearly the physical force on he's that just line a monster um, which really does help people. If you're in a deep league that does hits and penalties, this guy is should be way more owned. I can't believe it. Um, he's currently shooting. He has 40 shots on that right now, so he's on pace for over 200 shots this year. He has six goals on the year. He's, he's not necessarily lighting the lamp. Um, but he is, I mean, if you're going to get 200 shots a year, you're going to put, if you can score 20 goals and you're only 15% owned right now, definitely worth a pickup. Um, he's, the, the thing that kind of has been, um, impressed me the most about Anderson is he's been playing uh, nearly 19 minutes a night in his past uh, in his past six games. Um, he's played that four of the last six, so that's that's great for a fantasy team. He's just getting the minutes. With that comes the shots. With that comes the goals. And uh, I do think Columbus is one of the the better scoring teams in the NHL. So um, so I like Anderson. Like we said, this is for deep leagues, but uh, he can make a great ad while he's in that top six. Um, as long as he's there, definitely worth an ad. And he plays second line power play too, which doesn't hurt. No, I really like Anderson, and I was going to talk about him if you didn't uh, 
Biebs. And this is a guy, he scored 17 goals uh, in 78 games last year. So I think 20 goals is a foregone conclusion for him this year. That Easy. was just on 100 and, uh, 119 shots last year. So I like him a lot going forward. Like you said, uh, on pace for just a ton of shots. I think he's got yeah, 40 and 14 games. Puts him on pace for 230 uh, and he also is averaging, like you said, almost two hits or yeah, almost two hits per game, which is nice as well. Uh, if you're in the bangers league, uh, and like I said, like you said, sorry, the Blue Jackets are just a great offense. They got a great power play that uh, last year at least they've struggled a bit this year. Um, so if he's like he's got nine even strength points in 14 games, if he starts banging in a couple power play goals here and there too, uh, you know, big physical presence on the power play never hurts. So I like Anderson yep. a ton. Um, just like he's very similar to Rant and maybe not the high end talent, but he's just a, a good, a, just a good goal scorer. Yeah. And I mean, he, he proved it throughout junior that he can score. I mean, all these guys do. So that's why, um, you know, it's not a totally unrealistic thing to think that he can translate into a, you know, a power Patrick Maroon scoring forward type thing. Um, just without yeah, not, David. Yeah. Minus <laughs> that, but yeah. <laughs> For me, for me, I ha- I like uh, Noah Hannafin, 9% owned. Uh, try to throw a D-man in here for everybody. Uh, but I like Hannafin a lot. Hannafin, though, like the rest of the Hurricanes roster, has been off to a bit of a slow start. Uh, but I think their fortunes are bound to change soon. They're currently the number one possession team in the NHL uh, with a Corsi 4 That's north crazy. of 56 right now, and no one else is even close. Uh, but, mm-hmm. but with you know they still sit 26th in the league in goals for. Um, they're very similar case to Edmonton right now. I think Edmonton's the number two possession team in the league, and they're at the bottom uh, third of the league in goals for as well, which is nuts. Uh, but for Hannafin personally, he has a ridiculous 61.3 Corsi 4 and a relative Corsi of 7.5. Uh, just insanity right there. Uh, but he's also seen his minutes jump recently, um, partly due to Brett Pessy's injury, but he started seeing increased minutes before uh, Pessy went down with a concussion. Uh, but his shot volume's also at an all-time high. He's currently on pace for 190 shots. Uh, now, this is a guy mm-hmm. who was already a 30-point player last year, but he's already quickly on pace uh, for seven goals and 31 assists, and that's with a low personal shooting percentage of just 3.3 and a low on-ice shooting percentage of just 4.3. Uh, so there's a lot of signs that point towards uh, some improvement coming in the next couple of weeks uh, for the third-year defenseman here. But uh, the most obvious of all of those is probably his move to the top power play unit recently. Uh, he swapped spots the other day with Justin Falk. Uh, how long that will last remains to be seen. Could be a game, could be over to tomorrow, who knows. Uh, but regardless, he is going to see PP2 numbers for sure. Uh, and while he's on PP1, that's all, you know, just an added bonus. Uh, and then one thing that I don't think anybody's really talking about when it comes to the Hurricanes is Carolina's also played the fewest games of any team in the NHL so far. Uh, so they've got a heavy schedule coming up. I know they've got four like games that. next week, and then I think they've got three games in each of the three weeks following, and then followed up with uh, four games after that. So over the next month and a week there, uh, they've got a ton of games. So I think it'd be worthwhile to target any Hurricanes players going forward. Uh, because they've got a lot of pauses coming their way. Uh, before I move on to one of you guys, while I'm talking about the Hurricanes, I just quickly want to touch on Sebastian Ajo, uh, who still is searching for his first goal of the season. He has seven assists in 13 games, though. Still shooting the puck a ton. Still playing over 18 minutes a night. Saw 20 minutes in, uh, in, against Florida the other night. 
Uh, it's just a matter of time before the puck starts going in for Aho. I don't really think that this is a case of a sophomore slump. Uh, so if he's available in your league, I think he's just north of 50% owned right now. But uh, if he's available in your league or and you need help on the wing, I believe he's got dual position eligibility uh, as well as he makes for a great buy low candidate. So uh, remember, Hurricanes have played the fewest games of any team in the league right now. So they're going to be playing a ton coming up. Uh, so I really like Hannafin. Really, really like Aho going forward. Uh, but who are you guys looking at on the, t- on the wire still? Anybody uh, deeper than 9% or are you, are you guys all tapped out? You drained uh, us, bro. Drained yeah, you? Yeah, you cleaned me right out. All right. I'll talk about one more guy before we have, leave the people alone and send them over to the Blue Stones. And I'm going to go a little bit homer on this one, and that's Andreas Athanasiu sitting at 5% owned. So this is more of a dynasty deep keeper league pickup. Uh, but since returning to the Red Wings, Athanasiu has unsurprisingly seen his minutes fluctuate a lot from game to game because Jeff Blaschel is a human line blender, and it's so yeah, painful to watch. Oh, he's <laughs> the worst. Uh, but anyways... <laughs> The Red Wings have actually been surprisingly competitive. Um, and when Athenu has played in the top six, he's looked really, really good. Uh, he has just one goal and one assist through six games, but it's averaging nearly three shots per game. And while he was on a line with Mantha and Larkin, that trio had a ridiculous 60.38 Corsi 4 and generated 11 high-danger scoring chances in just under 30 minutes, 5-on-5. Five five. So that's really impressive numbers. Mm-hmm. Um so basically, his value is directly tied to how dumb Blaschel is going to be. Uh, if Blaschel <laughs> was smart, he's not. He's not smart. But he would reunite that line uh, because it's been the best line in Detroit to date. Um, instead, he'd just rather put Justin Abdicator fucking anchor with Dylan Larkin and continue to weigh down his young center. But anyways, I really like Athens too. Just so much speed. I think it's only a matter of time before uh, he plays back with Larkin and Mantha because if he doesn't... Uh, Blaschel's head's on the chopping block if they start losing games and he keeps doing dumb shit. The thing that makes me most mad is that he was like, these are our lines like for like the foreseeable future. And it was like with Larkin and Mantha and Athens, we were all like, holy shit, he's actually doing it. It's happening. I'm so excited. And it lasted like two games. I'm like, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> so frustrating. I'll say you really feel bad. Oh my God, it's, it's a disaster. <laughs> Oh, it's a, just an utter disaster. So, anyways, do you guys have anything else to add before we send it to the people? Not it's the just people. funny. I, I I remember when my team used to be a disaster. It's just funny. Oh, the, team, the, the team's not necessarily a disaster. Just the coach is just a meat stick. See, my team's a disaster, and their players get lost in Sweden and have peanut allergies happen to them. So it, it could know. be. Yeah, that's rough. It could, it could be, be worse, worse, I guess. Right. But uh, let's head it over to the Blue Stones here because they're the best part of about this damn show. But uh, for those of you who didn't get in tonight, be sure to keep an eye out next week. We're going to run a DraftKings competition, or I should say contest, every single Thursday from here on out. Each week, uh, the entry fee, the game type will change a little bit every single time just to keep things fresh. Uh, but keep keep your eye out for that. should be a lot of fun. Hopefully, uh, you beat our asses. Uh, because we're stupid anyway. So anyways, I'm Brock Segan for Dylan D. Berthy, Man Beebs, Bondi. Enjoy the Blue Stones. We'll see you guys back here next week. Yeah, it's just like hand and money. Another time you pull me down so hard I paint your body with my own color seats into my bones
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky, smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a woman-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.